0: This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt.
1: Well, howdy, friends. Great to have you back. We've mounted our horses and are riding on this episode, and uh, it is, we're having a great conversation. If you missed any of this, please go back. Go to FrontierFreedomRadio.com. Frontier Freedom freedomradio.com. In fact, we are now on all major podcasting sites, Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, and this thing is taking off. We have listeners from all over the world. I would like to welcome our Belgium listeners because I noticed we have a good, strong contingency in Belgium listening to us. Uh, Maybe some cowboys and cowgirls want to come on out here and be a part of the Western frontier. So, uh, howdy, howdy, howdy to you, friends. We are talking with Christian, F- the Trout whisper Finnegan. He's assistant professor of history and politics of the College of Undergraduate Studies in the School of Humanities and Social Sciences at Colorado Christian University. And uh, we were just talking about the role and the importance of of Christians bringing their values into the public square and, this, and kind of rejecting this idea of just a totally neutral sandbox where we put all of our values and principles aside and then we just all play together nicely. And I think it, it plays out in the challenges that our nation is facing right now. So Christian, you are the guy when it comes to Western civilization. Help us understand, what is Western Civ? Is it just a class I had to take in high school? <laughs> um, that's
0: actually a great question, uh, Jeff, because it, it's something that's hotly debated. Um, mm. What is Western civilization? Um, how do we define the West? Um, and I, I, one of my classes, I put up a slide and I, I kind of point to places like, um, is Australia the West? Well, kind of. Um, how about places like Japan, which we talk about being very westernized? Hmm. Um, part of the problem is is that Western civilization achieves such kind of global hegemony um, that it's hard for us to go back and distinguish what is Western and what is not because so many of the values of Western civilization have become kind of international, global values. Mm. Um, So it's a little hard to define. However, I throw something at my students that I think makes my class rather unique. I I define Western civilization as the intellectual and cultural legacy of Christendom. A lot of people try to define Western civilization. What made Western civilization this powerhouse? Um, Some people say it's geographic determinism, um, right? Western Europe wasn't too warm, wasn't too cold, was just right. Some people say it was technology-led to Western civilization's dominance. I point out, you know, actually the the Chinese beat us to the printing press, the Chinese beat us to gunpowder. Eh, I'm uncomfortable with that one. Hmm. There are also a lot worse arguments. Um, some people try to advance xenophobic arguments, you know, white power. I think we can all repudiate that. So the question is, what led to Western dominance? Some people say ideas, and and that seems to be popular, but I, I still don't think it's ideas. I think ideas are a product. I think the reason why the West has been so successful is because by and large, although never perfectly, no civilization has been more faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his church A lot of what I do in my Western Civilization classes, I point to God's promise to Abram. Hmm. He says, Abram, I will make you a great nation. And that through you, the nations will be blessed. That those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. Um, And God's plan was always for the world. And what is the significance of of, of blessing Abram? It's so that we'll be blessed, right? If we bless the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be blessed. And I think this is the the history of the West. That's the one thing I think that defines the West, that separates it from the rest of the world, is that we have been a culture and a civilization that hasn't just Proclaimed Christ, but has been formed and transformed by it. Um, our institutions reflect the values of the church and of Christianity. Um, our political structures, our our educational structures, obviously the church as an institution. These have formed our civilization and we and and, and influence our families and our lives and our and our businesses, um, and so. Why is the Westman so popular I think or so successful? I think it's because of that formula. And I think that's a great lens to approach this topic because it gets all pride out of the way. Hmm. Why, why are we, quote unquote, the best? Well, we're not the best, we're the most blessed. Um, and it also gives us a call to say, hey, Western people, if you want to continue to be prosperous, if you want to continue to enjoy the blessings that you've known and that your forefathers have known, honor and bless the Lord. And I can say the same thing to the Global South um, or to China. China, if you want to be blessed, bless the Lord. Um, And that's a unique framework. I said, we still go through in my class, all the historical kind of your community college or high school kind of checking the boxes. We talk about ancient Greece and and Mesopotamia um, and ancient Rome. Um, but I really think you know between Constantine and Charlemagne um, and kind of this this tradition and trajectory of, of the role of the church in the West um, is really what separates it from the rest of the world.
1: So I, I think too that the West got humanity right hmm. um, So uh, the the biggest challenge I have, and, and what what often happens is that I sit down at the Capitol, across the table, from people that don't share our worldview, and and I'm one of the few people I think in the church that actually does this. I listen to their worldview, and we debate the creation of law, as it relates to the communities we're going to live in, and so I listen to their worldview, and I think the fundamental error. Is that they get human nature wrong. Hmm. Okay, this goes back to, uh, you know, uh, John Locke and Rousseau and all that stuff too, but um, what do I mean by that? So we, have, we believe in a natural law. We believe that there is a guidance to this world, right? And even Paul talks about it, that there is no law against kindness. There's no law against being a good person, or uh, what the, what Paul called the fruits of the Spirit—love, joy. There's no there's no law out there saying you can't be a joyful person. Why is that? And in some capacity, or in in our capacities, right? We look at Mother Teresa and go good person. And we look at Hitler and go bad person. Okay. There's a natural. The, the, any person looks at those and goes good person bad person because we believe in natural law and uh, Christendom, Western civilization traditionally put theology at the center of their schools right It was kind of the queen yeah. of the of the studies right you go back to Oxford and Harvard and, and Yale and, and here in America uh, the uh, theology was at the center because human nature how we understood human nature are we all just blank slates? that just assume values from our culture, and we're naturally good people? Or is humanity naturally wrong, evil, self-serving, that needs a savior and guidance to becoming good, right? And so I see those two worldviews play out at the heart of the public policy debates at, at the state capitol I'm living in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I tell students when I teach uh, my politics class is that, you know, our eschatology defines so much of our political reality. Um, On the one hand, there's some people who look and see our world as just fallen right? Since the fall, we're just sinners. And and basically, it's a game of running out the clock. Um, The prince of this world dominates, and we just have to wait till Christ returned to put all things back in order. And the key is that they want very little government or no government interfering in their lives. Mm. Um, On the flip side, You also have those people who see that, no, no, God is God, natural law, truth is truth. Um, And basically God sits on his throne, right? Christ was ascended. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he's actively governed his creation. So we can use politics and bring everything under the Lordship of Christ. And we can continue to make our world better and better and better as we bring everything under his Lordship and dominion. I said, the so one's got kind of an under-realized eschatology. The other one's kind of an over-realized eschatology. And the kicker is they're both correct, hmm. right? We are fallen, but we also bear God's image. Um, and so it's in that in between the now, but not yet um, where politics live. And so this requires a tremendous amount of wisdom um, because you're right. We, we can see as Christians, the fallenness of this world, but we also know what it should be because we know the God who created all things. So much of our job here as Christians is to bring order to chaos. Um, Jeff, you went to seminary. Um, Do you remember what the cultural mandate is in Genesis one? To uh, to be fruitful, multiply and work, right? And to have dominion. Dominion, Yeah, I tell students all the time, the cultural mandate. When God created Adam and Eve and he gave us a job, he just didn't let us free in the garden. Mm -hmm. He said, one, be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because God wanted his creation to be full of his images. He delights in having his, his creation be full of images like him. And second of all, we are called to have dominion. We're to govern His world. We get to share in God's work with Him. We are co-regents. We are princes and princes in God's kingdom. And we get to participate in the running of His world. Um, and we know, therefore, what it should look like, bringing all things under His order um, and dominion. And we get to participate, that's government. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, particularly at TCU, right, we, we don't just look at government as this terrible evil.
2: But But also, yeah, but also you bring up with what makes Christianity unique, what makes the Christian worldview unique is it is based in an element of not only personal freedom, but personal responsibility. Hmm. It is your Hmm. choice to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but also that means you are taking responsibility for your actions. You are repenting to God for your sins. Um, You don't see that in many other religions, really Hmm. any other religion, Um, but you also don't see that in any other worldview. Um, Jeff, with your point on culturally when you go to the capital there's a worldview of oh well people are inherently good and if they're making you know it's it's not their it's their circumstances Mm -hmm. it's not their personal responsibility it's not their decision Mm -hmm. and i think that's what truly makes christianity and then the western world really unique because there is that huge emphasis on what how do your choices impact the rest of the culture
1: yeah, Dennis Prager would say that um, if people thought of consequences, they'd be conservatives. Um, <laughs> because there's, we, we have to think through uh, the consequences, not only outside, but also of our own personal lives. And uh, he also brings that up, that that's the key differentiator between people who are religious. Mm-hmm. is we start with ourselves. It's ourselves that are the challenge that need to be worked yeah. on. Friends, you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. We're going to continue this conversation with Christian Finnegan of Colorado Christian University when we return.